Have you seen the Lord at work in your life this week? Yeah. Have you experienced the Lord at work even this morning? I hope you have. And <clears throat> you'll remember a long time ago that there was a young lad by the name of Samuel who was living in the temple precincts as they were in Shiloh. And right now I am not getting Apple TV to work. Is this thing on? Is it now? Okay, all right, good. And uh, the, this, this child heard a voice in the night calling his name. His name was Samuel, Samuel. And the first time he thought it was the old priest, Eli. And he went running to Eli, and Eli said, go back to bed. It's not me. And then he hears, hears uh, the uh, name being called again, Samuel, Samuel. And he goes back to the old priest, and the priest this time, maybe he was a little more awake, I don't know. He says, well, if you hear that voice again, it's the voice of God. So be listening. Now, does God speak today? God speaks today. Will he speak this morning? Is he speaking this morning? Yes. The only question is, are we listening? And so our prayer together is, Lord, I want to hear your voice. I want to hear what you're hearing. Now, is there anybody here who recognizes the beasts that are on the screen in the picture there? Yeah? Have you got uh, some creatures kind of like that maybe around your place? Yes, some of you do, all right? Now, have you ever noticed how they like to hang around the fence? Why? I, didn't, I can't hear you, you've got to speak louder. It always looks greener on the other side. Yeah, but is it? Not necessarily. But it always looks greener on the other side. And, uh, you know, there is that in us that if we put up a fence, pretty soon we're walking along the fence. And maybe it is greener on the other side. But I once heard it said that there's nobody unhappier than a believer who is like a cow who sees the corn on the other side and gets hung up on the fence and can't get at the grass and can't get at the corn. And so this morning, we want to look at uh, the Sermon on the Mount and the teaching that the Lord Jesus does about uh, the commandments that we find in Scripture and see what he does because he does something a little bit different than what you might expect, you see. And so I've entitled this message, Following Jesus, How Far Can I Go? Or, When is Enough Enough? Because what do we want to do? We want to build a fence. And then we want to hug the fence. Right? Yeah, no. 
All right, I'm glad to hear that there's a no. Well, we're going to begin before we get to the portion that was read. I just wanted you to get a flavor of that right in the middle of this section. Because you see, the Lord has gone from teaching about the Beatitudes, the things that give you a life that is blessed, a life in which the favor of God is experienced. And then he says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? Now that sounds weird to us, because we're so used to this 100% refined salt. But understand that in the ancient world, your salt was going to be largely grit, sand that was not actually salt. And so the Lord Jesus says, this salt can lose its saltiness because it will leach away. And then it's no longer any good except to throw it on the ground because that's what it is. It's just dirt. Okay? And he says, you, you, the people I'm speaking to, you are salt. You make a difference. You bring a quality to the community in which you live, to the family in which you live, to the school where you attend. You bring that when you live like this, under the blessing of God. And so, let's be salty. You are salty. Just don't waste it. And then he says, you are the light of the world. A city, that's a pretty big claim, right? But, you know, we've seen a bunch of these little red and green boxes come in. Have you, have you noticed them? Have you had some in your house? Yeah. And where are those going? They're going around the world. And when the children open them up, what do they experience? An immense amount of joy for what seems like such a small thing. But for them, it is genuinely a light. And they experience the love of God through that. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Do you do that? Instead, they put it on a stand. And it gives light to everyone in the house in the same way. Please note this. Let your light shine before men that they may see what? Your good deeds. We are called to good deeds, to make a difference in our communities, in our homes, in our schools, in our workplaces, wherever we are, that they may see your good deeds and what? Praise your Father in heaven. And so the Lord is saying, this is what you are when you live according to these Beatitudes. But let's understand that he's going to expand on that, and he's going to do a little more teaching, and he's going to do some teaching initially on the nature of the law, because he's speaking to uh, the Jewish folk who believe that by keeping all the laws of God that they are acceptable to God. And so he's, first of all, making it clear that the Beatitudes, living in the blessing of God, is not about law-keeping. And in fact, we don't keep the law by keeping the laws. Sound weird? But that's the way it is. 
And it's got something to do with fences and cows. <laughs> and you'll see. It is looking at your life and being centered where it is to be. And so the first thing that he does in that first section is say, listen, I didn't come to abolish the law. In fact, I came to fulfill it. And the law is fulfilled not when you live according to the law, but when you live according to the Spirit. And that's why he imparts the Spirit. And if you don't have a Spirit, the Spirit of God, then you are dead. You're not alive in Jesus. And we all know this verse, Galatians 5, 22, 23, the fruit of the Spirit, there's only one fruit, by the way, this is, this is not multiple fruits, as we sometimes put it, but this is the nature of what life in the Spirit is like. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no love. You're not asking, how far can I go? And when is enough enough? Your life is centered on Jesus. It's not about finding how far you can go. We put up a fence and then people are all along the fence saying, how far can I go? You saw that one of the sessions will be about dating. Often a question that is asked amongst youth is, how far can I go? Wrong question. Wrong question. And so we live for Jesus because it is not about a bunch of rules finding out how far we can go. We are not under law but under grace. The free gift of life that we received, of forgiveness. And we do it in this way because we have the new life in the Spirit. In fact, a little bit further in Galatians chapter 5, Next verse is after the fruit of the Spirit. Those who belong to Christ Jesus will have what? Crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. That's you and me. That's the reality of our lives. Since we live by the Spirit, or as it is in the underlying text, since we walk by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And so if there's a problem, where is it? that we're not keeping in step with the Spirit. We're not paying attention to the Spirit of Jesus. And let's understand that when we live this way, it's not a bunch, about a bunch of, of rules and regulations that we check off and say, we've done all these things. It isn't about showing up on Sundays and checking this off. It isn't about doing our devotions and checking this off. It is about the living dimension of life in the Spirit of Jesus. And there is joy and power and freedom when we live like this. The other way is called legalism. So ask yourself, where are you? How do you think about your life in Jesus? And so we are taught this very clearly in Romans chapter 8, that through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful man. 
So how are the righteous requirements of God met? By living our lives in the Spirit. And let's understand that the work of Jesus frees us from being a fence-hugger. It frees us from walking along and saying, how far can I go? And when is enough enough? We live our lives centered on Jesus, depending on the Spirit. We are called to live differently. And so, as the Lord Jesus begins to teach the commandments, what we see is that his focus is quite different. You've heard that you should not murder. What do you think? Good idea? Yeah. Uh, Ruth Graham, wife of Billy Graham, was doing an interview once, and uh, she was asked once, uh, have you ever contemplated divorce? And she says, no, but I have contemplated murder. (laughs) Sometimes we feel like that, okay? But let's understand that what the Lord Jesus is, he ups the ante. He changes from the fence-hugging approaches. I've never killed anybody. To what? Understand that when you're angry with somebody, that you've already transgressed what this is about. Because you see, the center is about wanting what is good and best for others. It is about walking in love. And so then all the discussion that follows says, pay attention here. You aren't going to get away with this. If someone upsets you, then you've got an obligation to go and be reconciled. Not just the other person who upset you, but you. And then he says, I tell you the truth, and he's using here a metaphor, you will not get out. And I want to tell you that now I've been a follower of Jesus since 1964. That makes me 23, and you figure out how many years that is. How many years is it? A little while. I've seen many, many of my brothers and sisters who are stuck, who are trapped, and who are not getting out because they're hanging on to their anger. Okay? You understand? This is really, really practical. So, let's move on to to something else. This is related. It is not in this passage, but it's back uh, uh, further ahead in Matthew chapter 18, in which there is a discussion about how many times should you forgive. Is it once? No. Is it twice? No. Three times? How many times? Seven times? No. And Jesus says 77 times. All right, I met 76. 77, enough's enough. No. The point that he's making is you have to understand that this is a trap for you. And if you focus on where that fence is, and you say, I'll go as far as that fence, you're not living in the freedom of the Spirit, you see. The Lord Jesus then tells a parable in Matthew 18 about someone who owned, owed billions and billions because he was a, a tax collector. He, he had a, a tax franchise, as it were. And uh, the king forgave him this debt. But then this man turned around and got hold of a servant who owed him a few bucks. And then the king is upset when he hears the lack of mercy. 
And the Lord Jesus concludes this teaching. Pay attention. Because if you say you believe the word of God, you got to believe this. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you. Okay? Unless you forgive your brother from your heart. That means really forgive. And really this is a parable about how much we owe God. How much do we owe God? We owe everything to God. And when we appreciate that he has forgiven us, but we hang on to our little petty unforgiveness, what are we doing? We're in fact doing what that wicked servant did. You get it? Am I teaching you anything new? If I am, well, I'm glad you're listening. If it's a repetition, that's okay, because it's true. Not because I'm saying it, it is the Word of God. So, now, what about adultery? And this is not the sin of being an adult. This is the sin of not being an adult, not being responsible. And it is better if your right eye is removed or your right hand than for you to be guilty of these things. Now, for us, where's the fence? I didn't physically sleep with her or with him. But Jesus says, no, 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 you're not getting it. That's about a fence-hugging kind of mentality. It's about recognizing where the center of it is. And so what I've given you is a scripture found in 1 Peter chapter 5, in which he says, Do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. Treat your younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with what? Absolute purity. Here's the center. So don't ask how far you can go. That's the wrong question. Ask, what is it that Jesus is calling me to? To treat others in this way, with absolute purity. Now, what about this divorce thing? Now, we've done a strange thing in church history with this divorce thing. We've turned it into a law code. And what we have done is we've messed people up. Jesus is saying, no, understand what these principles are. Understand what it is that... Uh, we are dealing with. And so in his day, it was easy for a man, and it is biased in a particular way, for a man to say, I'm not happy with you. I'll give you a divorce certificate, and that'll be it. And then I'm free. Again, this enough is enough. I can draw the line. And then if I've given the certificate, I am righteous. No. Understand where the center is. And we see it in the teaching that the Lord Jesus inspired. Colossians 3, 19. Husbands, what? Love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Does that hit home? It should. It should. Boy, the Lord is hard on us today, don't you think? Here we are reading all this part. Now, you ladies, you aren't let off the hook. You understand that? Because what's sauce for the goose is sauce for the gander, right? And reverse too. 
And what about oaths? We don't uh, understand this one so much because we don't do oaths. But you see, they would have the practice of making an oath by a lesser thing, thinking, it's okay if I break this one. You see? And the Lord says, no, 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 no. You're missing the point. Stop trying to limit your liability when you promise something by shaping your oath. We don't need oaths. Let your word be your bond. Now, I understand that many of us have experienced this. When we moved into Elmira, we needed some financial help, and we did get some financial help. And uh, a brother loaned me $10,000. You know on what? A handshake. Let your word be your bond, right? Let your yes be yes and your no, no. And let this permeate your life, all your relationships. Not just the big things, but the little things. Let your yes, yes. Be known for someone who tells the truth. Not that you're rude. Don't be rude. You can say no if you need to in some kind ways as well. Okay? But let's understand Jesus is once again telling us to center our lives. Now, this eye for eye, and this has got to do with the tit-for-tat thinking, which we are seeing all over the place if you're reading the newspapers about how the leader of one country treats the leader of another country. They will go unnamed, but you know what I'm talking about. This is the uh, schoolyard kind of thinking, which only creates trouble and more and more trouble. What we see is in John chapter 8, the account of the Lord Jesus dealing with the woman taken in adultery. And you know that the Pharisees came and they said, look, this woman's taken in adultery. This is what the law says. What are you going to say? And so again, drawing a line, building the fence, saying, hey, here's the fence. You cross that fence and then there's trouble. And Jesus says, no, you understand this. You need to understand that our God is the God of mercy. And so in Romans chapter 12, Paul, who is picking up the spirit of Jesus, do not repay anyone evil for evil. You see that? This is not tit for tat. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. It's amazing how this often even happens in our homes, where we supposedly love our spouses, right? That what we do is we prick and we poke and we irritate. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as, for, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. Hey, don't worry. God will balance the books. You say it's not fair. I know it's not fair. But guess what? God will balance the books. Won't be in your time, but it will be balanced perfectly. And he will also look at you, you see. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And then we come to the really, really difficult one. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Makes sense, right? That's how our world works. But I tell you, what? Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Jesus, are you crazy? 
And you know that the world says this does not make sense. And you know that that spirit is found even amongst us. Where we will not take this to heart and say, oh no, this is hyperbole. This is going too far. Enough's enough. Love my enemies? You can't be serious. Yes, he is serious. And he illustrates it by the fact that God, what? Sends the sunshine on both the just and the unjust. Sends the rain on both the just and the unjust. And then he says, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Which means what? Grow up. Grow up spiritually. Be like your heavenly Father. And you're going to say, this is not natural. Of course it isn't natural. I've been living this life for 50 years, and I can tell you, it works against my nature. <sighs> this is life in Jesus, empowered by His Spirit. So we are to live a Jesus-centered life. How do we stay off the fence? We keep our eye on Jesus. We live like this, and we will be salt and light. People will say, yeah, you are different. I expected you to come back and to do something vindictive. And instead, here you are caring and helping. This is what we're about as here on chapel. Loving Jesus, serving others together. Amen? Yeah. Now you might say, well, how do I make good decisions? Well, first of all, don't focus on the fence. And so sometimes we, with our finances, we say, oh, enough's enough, right here. No. Say, Lord Jesus, what do you want me to do? And if you're listening, he will tell you and it will all be good. Amen? Yeah. So you keep your eye on your leader and you follow him. You ask him. And then you really listen. And then you trust him. And you obey him. And you discover that this is the life of power, of joy, of freedom. So how do I live a centered life? Fall in love with Jesus. This is not about going to church. Yeah, come to church. But come to church because Jesus wants you here. Don't come to church because you're worried about what the neighbors are going to say or your friends are going to say. Fall in love with Jesus be honest with him. Be honest with yourself. And I can tell you, I struggle with these same things that you do. But when I'm honest with the Lord, it's amazing how he helps. But if I'm dishonest, we're still playing games. Let the love of the Master be your controlling impulse. Keep your eye on Jesus. Follow him. It's not about the fence. Now, uh, most of you know uh, Chevy. He left this life August the 1st. We miss him, but he continues to leave me with a legacy of lessons that I've learned. And talking about a centered life, not focused on the fence. One day I was in St. Jacob's walking in a very, very large sports field, there were woods on the edge, and I was just walking along, and I told Chevy to go off and explore, and off he went. And I just went and sat on a picnic table. After about 10 minutes, 
guess what? Where was Chevy? There he was, lying at my feet. Why? Because his focus was not, how far can I go, but rather, where is my master? I want to be with my master. Let's understand the scripture is really clear. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. And that means a dynamic living relationship. Here's a prayer. My Jesus, keep me from trying to limit your impact on my life. Because isn't that what we're trying to do when we do this fence business? Show me where I am saying enough is enough or asking how far can I go. Let your attitudes be my attitudes. Let your actions be my actions. Let my vision be full of you and nothing else. Then I will see everything and everyone clearly through your eyes. And so I ask you, what is God saying to you now? Shall we pray? Thank you indeed, O Lord, for loving us so much that you've reinterpreted all the laws you haven't abolished them, but what you've done, if you peeled back the fence kind of thinking and you said, no, no, it's about keeping your eye on the living God, keeping your eye on you, Jesus. And so uh, we as your people here today want to declare, Lord, that too often we have fixed our eyes on the fence and we have said, enough's enough, or said, well, how far can I go? instead of following you where you lead us. And we know that you always lead us to more life, to more freedom, to more love, to more joy. Lord, uh, leaving, lead, uh, following your lead may indeed cause us a little anxiety because it isn't so cut and dry. But Lord, you don't want us to li live cut and dry lives. You want us to lead lives that are full of your living, gracious presence, like the fruit of the Spirit, full of love, joy, and peace. And so as your people, Lord, this is what our prayer is, that we will be like Jesus, that we will live for Jesus, and that we will live in the power of your Spirit. Amen.